Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn. And if you are new to the show, we are in a season of unpacking American education. Be sure to scroll back on my podcast for some tips on breaking free from the system, getting started on the parent-directed journey for some interviews with new and lifelong home educators, and a whole lot of research that I hope will equip and inspire you for the road ahead. We've been talking about the 10 toxic traits of the public school environment, and we see these fruits evidenced in the generational beliefs and behaviors of our youngest students. One of these highly toxic traits is evolution, which has been taught as fact in public schools for the last 50 years. And on this subject today, I'm very excited to have as a guest on our show, Dr. Brian Thomas. Dr. Thomas is a paleobiochemist with the Institute for Creation Research in Dallas, Texas, He holds a PhD in biochemistry, the study of dinosaur DNA, and a master's degree in biotechnology. In addition to teaching at high schools and universities in the Dallas area, Dr. Thomas is also a science writer, editor, and research associate for ICR. He's the author of several books, including Dinosaurs in the Bible, Creation Basics and Beyond, and Ancient and Fossil Bone Collagen Remnants, which is his dissertation. Dr. Thomas is passionate about helping the next generation think critically and scientifically about God's design of the created realm. He's a frequent contributor to Acts and Facts magazine, which I've been reading for many years and following ICR, Institute for Creation Research, for probably 15 years. Check out their work at ICR.org. They're doing some tremendous, tremendous work around the globe. As a paleobiochemist, one of Dr. Thomas's specializations is analyzing the tissue of recently excavated dinosaur bones and assessing the findings in the light of creationism. Now, in addition to his work at ICR, many of you know, Dr. Thomas also teaches at Chula Vista Christian University in our freshman apologetics course, Science and the the Christian, where he helps students analyze, reason, look at scientific theory through the lens of the biblical worldview. This week, Dr. Thomas is in San Diego with us in person speaking at Awaken Academy and getting our Chula Vista Christian University students ready for a trip to the Grand Canyon. Dr. Thomas, it is so exciting to have you with us today. What a joy to have you in the studio here all the way from Dallas, Texas and the Institute for Creation Research. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your family background and how you became a believer? Sure. And it's a pleasure to be here. Family background. Wow. Married. 26 years, had five kids, still have them. They're all a blessing, each one. We've had, uh, they all got through college. And so they did the college thing. In two months from now, I will have married off four of my five kids within a 15 month window. So lots of weddings happening these days. But these are, these are good guys and gals. And uh, what a blessing to be a part of their lives and to watch them. Uh, spread their wings and fly straight. And that's what we always want. That was always our prayer is, Lord, help them to fly straight and, and live their lives for you. And we see them doing that. And what a blessing it is 
for us. Uh, I came to Christ uh, when I was uh, like 13 through the ministry of our church and um, went to a retreat and was convicted. Oh man, this guy was preaching and he was talking about me and my sins and it was uncomfortable. And I did not want to go to any more of his sermons, uh, but I had to in order to eat food because they made us as youth, you got to go to the sermon if you're going to go to the cafeteria. So we went to the sermon. And then the last sermon was actually uh, the solution to the problem. And the problem was making me feel uncomfortable. My sins. Well, the solution was the Lord Jesus. And so I reached out for him. And um, he changed, changed me and transformed me. Um, never been the same since. And then in college, actually, by the time I got to college, eight or so years after being saved and born again, uh, I had just lived like the world, never got discipled, never grew in Christ. And so um, I knew I was not living right. And uh, I, I was accosted by some folks that were out sharing Christ. And they said, oh, you're a Christian? Well, then you're supposed to witness like we are. And I said, oh, I didn't know that. So I, I picked up my skateboard, literally. <laughs> and it reminds me of you know the, the disciples picking up their nets and following Jesus. And I just followed them and, and watched how they lived. Their, I was like, this is how life is supposed to be lived. And I'm going to do life like these people do it. And so I did that. And what I did is I knelt beside my bed after those first two days of conversations with them. And I said, Lord, I've been messing up everything by trying to live on my own. And if there's anything you want to do with this life of mine, you have to do it. And I want you to do it. So I, I want you to take over. And so that's when he actually did take over. And then he transformed my mind with his word. And then he started me on this journey from evolution to creation. And that was, uh, that was a lot of chiseling he had to do. And, he, and he's doing that still, I guess. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So listeners know that's a really similar path to my testimony as well. This really is really exciting to hear, to hear what God's doing um, as we look back in the rearview mirror of our lives. What? What kind of got you interested in studies in biotechnology first and then paleobiochemistry? Well, my degree in biotech came about because basically I needed a job and we had babies um, early in our marriage. There was a small town and so I was working in a factory and I wanted a better job to provide for my family. And so there was a, a lab tech position and I applied and got that. And my new boss said, by the way, we have a biotech degree program. And since you're going to be in the lab doing the work anyways, you might as well get a degree for it also. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, fine. Let's sign me up. So it was a lot of hard work, <laughs> but uh, that's how that happened. And actually right around that time, I was really passionate about learning and teaching creation. And I wanted to go to Santee, uh, you know, in the San Diego area where the Institute for Creation Research was. And uh, I wanted to go to school at the ICR Graduate School. But now I'm, I'm at this secular school learning biotechnology. That's not the degree I wanted. And then a friend of mine at the time told me a um, Brazilian proverb. And I said, okay, whatever. I don't speak Portuguese. Please translate. And he said, it means if you can't go hunting with the dog, take the cat. In other words, bloom where you're planted would be another way of saying that. So, and so I thought, you know, God didn't open the door to go to Santee, but he's opening the door to go here. And in retrospect, like you said, rearview mirror, I look back and I go, that's where I learned the, the ultimate design features that convinced me more than ever that 
life came about through the genius of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, because we have machines miniaturized to the ultimate degree of miniaturization in these proteins. And so, uh, boy, I, and, and I read my biochemistry textbooks and everything in the process, and these micro-machines are manipulating single atoms and moving them around, putting them in different places. And in and, and, and all of life, every cellular function depends on these machines to, to work right. And there's just hundreds, thousands of them that we have to have. And I just thought, only God. And I read these textbooks, and none of the textbooks had anything to say about how this could have evolved. It's like the evolutionary parts of the textbooks. That's for like general introductory biology where you can get away with storytelling. But in the world of biochemistry, I found out uh, by going to grad school, it's so, so precisely designed and miniaturized that uh, there's just no room to, to talk about nature being able to do anything like this. So God gets the credit. Yeah. Amazing. When you were speaking to the kids at Awaken Academy this morning, they were really fascinated in your day in the life. Tell us a little bit about the day in the life of a paleobiochemist. Right. So, so that was biotechnology degree. Then I went back and got another degree in dinosaur proteins. We call it paleobiochemistry. And so now I'm looking at proteins that are sort of old and partly rotten and falling apart, but they're still in there. Um, and that's fascinating to me. And I was sharing with the kids how, look, not only do you have decayed fragments of a protein, you've got decayed whole tissues, like little bits and scraps of connective tissue and blood vessels and even skin still on top, stuck down on top of these bones in some cases. And um, wow, I mean, that's, that looks pretty fresh and, uh, you know, recently deposited. And so... As I've been studying these, and I, told, and I told the kids, this really does fit what we'd expect to see if Noah's flood explains the fossils. If the flood explains the fossils, then they're not millions, tens of millions of years old. That would, they would be, um, you know, thousands of years old only. And these, these tissues and tissue remnants and proteins and protein remnants and even DNA that they're finding in these uh, whole chromosomes recently, a paper published last month. They found whole chromosomes in a dinosaur. Thousands, yes, it can last thousands based on decay rate studies, but not millions. And so I go back to the Bible after studying these features of fossils. And I, and I think to myself, why didn't someone tell me this when I was a little kid? They didn't tell me anything. In fact, they told me the opposite. And they told me dinosaur fossils are just rocks in the shape of a bone. <laughs> and uh, wrong. <laughs> They're actually bone. And not just bone, but still sort of fresh. Old, for sure, but not millions of years at all. Not even one million years old, uh, based on decay rate studies. So that's, that's what I like to expose, explore. And so day in the life, um, most of it is writing. A lot of it is reading, reading and writing. Some of it is digging. So I get to go on dinosaur excavations. And a lot of it is cataloging, because once you get the bone fossil, you have to make sure it's taken care of, make sure it's accessible to the scientific community. So you have to catalog it. And then um, you have to cut into it if you want to research it that way. And if you want to sequence the proteins in it, you have to grind it up, send it to a lab for uh, protein sequencing. So all kinds of different things. And then we can put it on a glass slide. We put a slice of it on a glass slide and put it under a microscope. Um, so we have cross-polarized light microscopy that we do. 
that sh- reveals protein. And then we have second harmonic generation imaging that we do that also reveals uh, protein. Aren't those fancy and fun words to say? <laughs> those are. Well, this is a, a really important concept for us at both Awaken Academy and Chula Vista Christian University because the, as we've been talking about on the show, uh, one of the fallouts of this current generation is that they have been taught evolution as fact, not as theory. And the second most common reasons that Gen Z say they're atheists is because they believe the Bible and science contradict. And of course, this morning you were talking about at Awaken Academy how the Bible is clearly, science is clearly evidencing and catching up with the Bible now. Um, not even this this whole um, this whole last five ye- five generations, five decades of students that have been taught since values clarification movement in nineteen sixty in the nineteen sixties, um, but this aggressive agenda that is now just pushing forward at such an alarming rate, preschool to college, we're seeing it across the board. So, what kind of evidence do you see at the macro level for the impact of evolutionary teachings across the United States? Okay, let me just first ping off of what you're saying there. You mentioned evolutionary teachings and how that's sort of the foundation for our education and basic to, to what everyone's supposed to believe and know. And then you, you mentioned that this, that this generation finds contradiction. The reason we reject the Bible is because science contradicts the Bible. Okay, when they use the word science in that context, they do not mean observable, repeatable, <laughs> measurable like actual science. They actually mean the word evolution. And so they're swapping evolution for science. And so we, so in the process of indoctrinating these many generations, that's one of the indoctrination points is science equals evolution, evolution equals science. But my question is, what happened to the actual science of observable, repeatable, measurable? Has anyone ever observed and observed again and again? (laughs) And measured, or measured, the transformation of one creature into a totally different kind of creature? Answer, no. (laughs) Has anyone observed, measured, seen over and over again, transitional forms that this evolutionary process would have, should have, left behind in the fossils? In other words, do we find a sequence of fossils that leads step by step from one kind or, or form of creature, gradually and slowly over millions of years, up through these rock layers into a completely different a creature answer no when you see a fossil of a creature it's of that creature kind if it's either a bird or this particular mm-hmm. kind of dinosaur or this particular kind of mammal sometimes they're extinct sometimes they're still a, a look exactly like like they do today crocodiles for example in dinosaur layers look the same turtles look the same frogs look the same several birds look really similar well anyway it's it's fun to see because um my point being that the when they when they say science they really mean the story of evolution, mm-hmm. which we, and so they're swapping history. Yeah. And boy, this is a big bait and switch. I mean, it's, it's so we have to, we have to retrain our brains, right? We have to kind of like, wait, wait a minute. When, when the scientist uses present tense verbiage, we saw this or, or, or we see this, okay, present tense. And then the result, result is this. Now that's science. But when they switch into past tense, we see this, the result is this, and therefore this shows that we came from <laughs> fish, you know. Okay, boom, there comes the storytelling. Right. And they weave it, they weave the stories of evolutionary stories right in amongst the observable mm-hmm. facts. It doesn't mean the facts fit that story very well. Um, 
necessarily, but they have to weave the facts and into the story and the story around the facts. Anyway, what we need to discern, we need to train ourselves and our kids how to think um, about about the difference between storytelling and actual science. And having said that, I completely forgot your main question. Well, we'll go back to the impact. So in the social sciences, we see the impact of that when you're taught that you have no value, you have no purpose, you have no destiny, you were an accident, that you know the rates of cutting and burning, the rates of suicide ideation, anxiety, depression, all those things are not surprising. And of course, we have the most atheist generation in the history of our nation. So those are impacts that I see is coming straight out of the public school system, which we've been unpacking the 10 toxic traits of the public school system for the last few weeks. So from your vantage point, what do you see uh, in terms of the macro view of what these evolutionary teachings are doing in this generation? How are they impacting them? Well, Dr. Dunn, you came from apes. (laughs) We're just hairless apes, so we can do whatever we want. There's no creator in our past. There's no God or, or, or moral authority to whom we are accountable. That's, that's just fairy tales from some book written by ancient shepherds. Um, but the facts are that we came from apes, and those apes came from fish. And those fish came from hydrogen. So over billions of years, hydrogens become humans. Don't you know these facts? It takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot like of faith. So when, when we have this as our history, when we've supplanted the history that's given in scripture with this man-made garbage history, which I bought it. I bought into it. Because it was all I ever heard. Right. Then we then we lose our we lose everything. And so that's what we see all the societal breakdowns. Ma- marriages, people aren't even getting married anymore mm-hmm. in Europe. Uh marriages are have a low regard. Well you know what? Where did marriage come from? Genesis. Right. And if we have a low regard for Genesis, we're gonna have a low regard for anything in Genesis, whether it's marriage. Where did clothing come from? Genesis. And so we have a low regard for modesty in clothing. So every area of culture is affected because if there's no accountability because you came from apes, then you can do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're seeing in our society. And that's why we have a lot of work ahead of us to show, hey, let's reconsider Genesis and our origins. It could actually be real. And it took me a long time to, to reconsider Genesis myself, but I followed the evidence. And boy, there's a lot of evidence in the sciences that back up what Genesis says. So I went back to the teachings, the doctrines that we have, like marriage, which is the basis for all societies. You know, I'll just throw in an anecdote. I heard this, and I'm sure people have heard it. Half of marriages end in divorce. And the same is true within the church. Half of marriages in the church end in divorce, too. I don't know who started that, but it's a total rumor and it's fake news. But I believed it because it, I just heard it. So I had to believe mm-hmm. it, you know. And one day I'm in church and I'm starting to follow the Lord again, but I still believe all these things that I've been absorbed through the culture. Right. And the pastor said in his East Texas way, God invented marriage. It was his idea. And I thought, really? Well, then why? Do they all, you know, why do half of them end in failure? And so my, my mindset toward marriage back then was, I'm never going to get married because the success rate is only 50%. I don't want to join that club. That's just foolish. And then, and then, it was, and then he said, God invented it. I thought, well, what, why would God invent something that's, that's so messed up that it only works half the time? Good. Um, and then I realized, wait a minute, it's not the institution that's messed up. It's us. That's good. We're the it's ones good. that messed up. 
And so I thought, oh, it's, so, it, so it's possible if I do marriage right, that marriage might be for me after all. And I'm telling you, I met my bride-to-be within six months of that well, sermon. that's amazing. I love that you just connected so many of the macro points to that insidious seed of evolution. And it really was the first thing in the public school system that parents vocally you know, got in an uproar and went and stomped their feet at the school board meetings. And it's still being taught today. Nothing's changed 50 years ago. I mean, Neil Postman wrote about it in 1969. Nothing has changed as though it happened yesterday. Um, this week, you are taking our CVCU students on a tour of the Grand Canyon. We're so excited about this. We're going to see flood-based evidence, Noah's flood, uh, evidence from Noah's flood that still exists in the canyon. What are some things that you expect for our students to see and experience on that trip? Oh, man. You know, there's specific features in these rock layers that, uh, you know, that the flood of Noah best explains. The fact that you have broad, flat rock layers. I mean, when I say broad, these layers extend for hundreds, in some cases, thousands of square miles. And they just cover multiple states, whole states. Same rock layer, same thickness, basically. Um, same fossils in it. How do you get that? Like, that happens nowhere today. Even if, uh, even if you have a, let's say, a flood. We, we hear about floods periodically. And, oh, we see it in the news, and there's flooding going on, and Mississippi River overflows, or whatever river. And so it's going to make a delta deposit as the Mississippi River dumps all that flood mud into the Gulf of Mexico. Delta deposits are shaped like a giant fan. Um, that's about all we get today. Do we see giant fans in the Grand Canyon rocks? No, we see flat, flat rock layers. So something happened in the past that does not happen today. If you're new to the show or if you're homeschooling for the first time, you can hear reposts of my K-Praise radio show, Mindset Matters, right here on the Communication Architect podcast. Just scroll back for more episodes, interviews, and tips of the trade. And be sure to check out what we're accomplishing in and through our partnerships with parents and the local church right here in San Diego. Visit us at awakenacademysd.com and cvcu.us. That's Chula Vista Christian University. You'll find helpful tools for support, community, and encouragement. And if you are a pastor in San Diego County, please DM me for help on getting your church active in the homeschool support realm. The harvest is ripe. And if we all work together as parents and teachers and local churches, we can absolutely shift the trajectory for the next generation. Again, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me on today's show. I'll be back next week with more of our toxic trait analysis. See you then. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.